good to be together. And um, as we go into the Word, I'll just get right to it. I just, just want to start with uh, just a disclosure here, honest disclosure, and just be you know, straightforward and straight up and tell you the way it is. That um, Just going back to um, the news of our brother Keith the other day, um, completely just transformed what, where I was at in my mind and in my heart. And as I spent a few hours in the morning calling some folks, having some conversations, I came home and I even told Sharon, my wife, and I said, I just got this prompting. And I had this thing that keeps coming to my mind after I had been home for a while. She came home later and I said, I looked at some of my old sermon files and I am prompted. I have to go back to a sermon I did just over a year ago. So if what you're hearing sounds familiar, don't blame me, blame God. I, I really, I had, and Kate knows, and she asked about, you know, what do we, you know, any, any thoughts for Sunday, for songs and things, and I said, listen, I said, I'm going to be in Luke chapter 18, I was all ready, and I just, it, it's got to go to the side, when, you know, the Lord tells you, you just do it, and, and uh, I just trust that this is the Lord's leading, and I'm, I'm very confident in that, and even if it's for one or two, but just a reminder and encouragement, um, and a challenge, because it was for me, and maybe, maybe it's more for me, and that's fine, I'll, I'll, Get it out in front of you, and maybe you can take something from it. But that, that's, that's that disclosure I just have to share with you. And, and really, it's, it's, um, I can't escape it, so I'm just going to share it with you again. And as I, as I proceed and I process um, through reflection of, and I know we're all in different places with our, you know, where we are, we are in our own lives personally, but even with the news yesterday with, with our brother Keith, but I just had a couple thoughts and, and memories of serving together and just some conversations we had. And, um, and I was challenged. I was challenged. Um, not because of Keith or not for Keith or whatever way you want to put it, but just by the Lord, I believe in my own heart and my own journey following Jesus. To evaluate one thing. To evaluate one thing. And I want to challenge you to do the same today. I want you to evaluate and look deep And I I plead with you to evaluate how you are using your time. How are you using your time? I'm not here, I'm not going to critique or criticize, or I'm not here to push buttons intentionally or whatever. But how much time are you using to escape whatever's going on, and just move into this mode of escapism. How much time are you using? Working! It's not wrong, I get it. I'm just putting it out there. Don't take it, if it's personal, that's between you and God. I'm not making it personal. How much time are you taking avoiding your family? How much time are you taking avoiding standing up for the gospel and the conflict that it brings in some cases. How much time are you spending avoiding tough love? How much time are you spending redefining what love is to others that's not based on the Bible? How much time are you, you fill in the line? Just some thoughts. How much time are you spending, okay, leaving your cell phone on again? That's two times in a row where I'm preaching. Praise the Lord, you're good, God. I'm teasing your brother Harry. It's all good. That's right. You're learning it. That's right. Amen. Amen. I love cell phones, right? I love the phones when they're silenced. Amen. (laughs) 
And as I was processed, and I, I challenge you with that, how are you using your time? See, I, I leave that with you because why are you here? That's what it comes down to. Why are you here? What or for whom are you living? Like, what, do you, what is it all about? See, the truth is, as you know, that life is really, really short. You are not going to be here forever. And we fool ourselves into thinking that because we're so driven by pleasure and we're so driven by something that's called whatever for some of us and and maybe a lot of you for retirement and what that might look like and I'll live my dream life then. Yeah, when you're frail and weak and don't have energy and whatever. Can I just be honest? For most of you, you're all shaking your head so I know I'm, I'm telling the truth. Why are you waiting to live your life? Live your life now for the Lord. What are you doing with your time? You know, even, even, time is short, and even when, think about this, certain days, when it seems like that day lasts a thousand days. Have you been there before? Have you been there recently? It feels like that. And, and like life on earth, listen, it's so brief. My friends, brothers and sisters, it's so brief compared to eternity. It's so brief compared to forever. The life you have here. Our brother Keith had no idea he only had 50 years. I'm going to be 48 on the best day of the year, March 19th. I'm going to be 48. It's not long. When you, it's a blip on the, on, on the whole linear view of history and time. It's nothing. If you live 80, that's nothing in light of eternity. It goes by so fast. It's unbelievable. Judy will tell you, it goes by so fast. So Psalm 39, verses 4 to 5. And just reflecting yesterday triggered this. And, and the main, the focus will be in Psalm 90, but I want to start with this. The psalmist says, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Look, this isn't, this isn't a scripture. This isn't the psalmist writing and, and making this statement. Well, remind me of how brief my time on earth is because he's fatalistic and negative and he's down and he's dark and everything. That's not why. It's a reminder so that he could live it to the fullest in light of God's plan for his life. It wasn't about being that way. We, take, we want to take that swing so much. Oh, it's so negative and dark. No, remind me that I'm not here forever, God. I'm not going to be here. Remind me, and he says again, he repeats. Here we go in the Hebrew, in the poetry. He says, remind me that my days are numbered. Remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, by the way, just for the readability. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand, a hand's width. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. We live once. My friends, we live once. I live once on this planet. There are no do-overs of your life. There are no mulligans, as we call it in golf. There are none. And I thought about that because it was amazing. Just this past week, a Friday, some of you, if you watch golf or you follow it, any of you, if you know, if you heard the name Rory McIlroy, boy, he had a round. I, mean, I could play better than how he played. Well, not really. But, I mean, he played terrible this past Friday. He had these quadruple bogeys. This is a professional. He played terrible on Friday. It was almost embarrassing, he would tell you. 
But listen, he can't do it over. You can't go to the clubhouse with your scorecard and say, no, that round didn't count. You have one life. You can't go back and replay all those years, those holes in your life, in the holes of life. You can't do that. Now, the great thing is that in process, you get a chance to do better on the next hole, right, until you get to the end, right? But you can't redo the whole round. You can't do that. You get a chance to do better on the next one, the next day in your life, so to speak, but you can't redo your whole life once it's over. And listen, life is not cyclical. It's not just that we live once, but because it's not cyclical. Hebrews 9.27 teaches that we die once, and then we face our Creator. It's appointed for man to die once, and then we face, then the judgment comes. We face the Lord one time. There's no coming around. There's no reincarnation. I'm sorry, Gene Balch will tell you from first service, her brother Neil, we got to pray for his family. He thought he was going to come back as something else, and then he was already here as something else. He didn't even know what it was. The Bible does not teach us that. You live once, you die, and then you face the Lord. So how do we live? Knowing that our time is short, how do we live? Moses, the deliverer of the Hebrews from slavery in Egypt, offers us insight on how to gain confidence for that day when we face God and how we should live our lives right now, today. How we should do that. Psalm 90 is the only one in the collection of 150 in the Bible, 150 Psalms, that Moses wrote. His experiences, listen, from the banks of the Nile to Pharaoh's palace when he got elevated, right, and he was ruling there, to the crossing of the Red Sea on dry ground, and now at the end of his life, wandering in the desert for 40 years, he surely understands, I know he does, from experience and observation, how fragile and brief life really is. And so he requests of God something that I encourage you and I invite you to request with me as well, as Psalm 90.12 says, and he makes this prayer to God, a request. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Or another translation might say, to present to you a heart of wisdom. See, there are clearly, in this verse, two short things we can learn. It's a short one-sentence prayer with two things that we need to learn and apply and ask God for. First, teach us to number our days. Will we ask God to do that? Notice that Moses' request, that he, that he wanted to be taught to number his days. His days. Not anything else. Not weeks, not years, not decades, what, not generations, days. Help me to number my days. See, in other words, he's asking God to give him an awareness that life on earth does not last forever and that he would live with that brevity in mind to make the most of it for God's glory and his pleasure. We're familiar with, and I've referenced this before in other messages, or we've, you've heard it too when you read the scriptures, in James chapter 4, verses 13 to 16. James, in the New Testament, he says, Look, here, you who say, Today or tomorrow, we're going to a certain town, and we'll stay there for a year. We will do business there, we'll make a profit. Listen to what he asks after he says that. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? He asked the question, your life is like the morning fog, and he describes it. 
It's here a little while, then it's gone. It's not dark. It's not gloomy. It can be if you don't know Jesus. But it's the reality. He says instead, what you ought to say is if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans, and all such boasting is evil. These are my words. Teach us, Moses says. Teach us to number our days. It reminds me of the disciples who came to Jesus at one point in his ministry, and they said to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, why am I bringing that up? Because it's the same idea. Even if you're an adult, even if you've been a Christian for a long time, or you're a new Christian, or maybe you haven't even come to the Lord Jesus yet and surrendered your life, we need to ask God to teach us on a perpetual basis. There is always something to learn. We are always maturing. We are growing. We're we're becoming more and more like Christ. And to understand and to know Him in a more deep, intimate way and to have that fellowship and relationship with Him, we are to be constantly taught and we should be teachable. Teach me, Lord, to pray more effectively. Teach me, Lord, to understand your word more clearly with the help of your spirit. Teach me, Lord, to be in proper fellowship and relationship with the brothers and sisters. Teach me, Lord, to you fill in the blank, to be a good employee, respectable of those who are above me, and then honoring you and doing everything as unto you first and above all else. Teach me, Lord, to you fill in the blank. Teach me, Lord, teach me, Lord, teach me, Lord. But we think sometimes that we've had experience or that we've been a Christian for a long time or we know the word or we've been around the block a few times and we lose that sense of, of having to ask the Lord repeatedly, Lord, please teach me all over again or teach me anew or teach me more deeply of how to number my days, of how to pray. Of, you've, again, fill in the blank. And so when we think we, when we, think we have knowledge, we have to ask the Lord, listen, Lord, teach me again, remind me again. That I don't live here forever. And that life goes by quickly. Goes by quickly. Why does he ask this? Why does he make this request of God? Because I think the reason is that we have, and people have a very short-sighted perspective of what we do today and only today. Let Let me explain. We don't think about the fact that what we do now, today, in the present affects eternity. It does. We know Jesus did everything for us. We know there's a place for us. But what we do now, in this moment, affects tomorrow, but affects eternity. So, And we focus on tomorrow, and then in the process, we miss what we're supposed to do today. We can get caught up in that weird way of thinking and this perspective that can really, really discourage that whole flow of the way God wants us to approach our lives, and that is to live it today, right now, the way he wants us to. Teach us to number our days. But secondly, he says, so that we can be wise, that we could present to you a heart of wisdom. See, wisdom is knowledge that is rightly applied to our situation, whatever that is in your life. You take that knowledge and you rightly apply it. Proverbs verse nine, chapter 9, verse 10 instructs us, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Let me just make a point here. It's a a whole lesson, and we could have a study on it with with so much of what we say in our sermons, right? But just, I want to throw this out there because it's so important from Scripture. Here's the truth the Bible teaches us. Knowledge is great, 
We should want it. We should have it. God has given us minds. We exercise our intellect. Our reason is important. We reason things out. In fact, God invites his people in in prophet Isaiah. He says, come, let us reason together. Let's think through this in a logical manner of what your status is as far as your righteousness. Guess what? If we think it out, it stinks. That's what he says. I'm paraphrasing. But reason it out. Go ahead. Try to give me a rationale, justification through your reason to me, the Almighty God, who's holy and perfect. Go ahead. Let's reason it out. Show me that you're so good. God says you lose. But we do that. We should. He wants us to use our reason. And there's a place for that. We need, God gave us an intellect and a mind. We do that. But there's so much knowledge around us. But here's the truth. And information all over. The Bible teaches that without regeneration, without being born again, being a child of God, and being touched by the Holy Spirit, your mind, your soul, your heart, here's what the Bible says about your mind as it relates to information and knowledge that is available to you. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18, that without your being regenerated and born again by the Holy Spirit, that the human mind is darkened. It's darkened. It can't, it can't process clearly in light of truth, a reality, which is God's word and comes from God. It also, the Bible teaches us in Romans 8, 7, that the mind that is not regenerated or a person who's not born again, their mind is hostile to God. I'm not making this up. It's in the word of God. You can argue with me. You can debate it. You can reason it out. That's what I mean, you could. You should. But go to the Word. It says that you're, 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 you're an enemy of God. Your mind opposes everything that has to do with God until the Holy Spirit touches you and you submit to Him. It's not, not going to happen. And, and I'll leave one more. And in Ephesians, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians, Paul says that knowledge in our mind, when we don't allow God to govern us and we don't subject ourselves to Him and we're not born again, that knowledge puffs up and there's pride that comes out of our minds without the Holy Spirit touching us. You can be a Christian, and you can still be knowledgeable. You could say you believe in Jesus, but we still can struggle with that knowledge, right? And, and get arrogant and proud. And, and We can. There's a struggle. That's why Paul addressed the Corinthians. But when the Holy Spirit touches our mind, this is what happens. The opposite happens. The mind gets purified. I didn't say it's perfect. The mind gets purified, it gets transformed, and the mind gets humbled. Oh yeah, it almost defies reason, but yet I understand now. And you know what? I have to submit myself. I'm imperfect. God's perfect. It breaks down. You humble. You surrender yourself. The mind gets humbled. Do you remember? That's that's, that's the wrong question. Do you remember? I should approach it this way. Most of us know and remember Brother Gary Bowden. Amen. What a great brother. Over the years, you know, I'd have lunch with him. We'd talk. We'd have different conversations. And I remember years ago, something he said after we were talking about a lot of different issues. He said, you know, the problem is, is that, that we know too much. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Because we were talking about different issues. And that same conversation kind of resurrected about two months before he died last year when I was at his house. We were talking about different things, the spectrum of everything in our world, our life, our Christianity, sin, how we approach things. Why do we get tired of opposing the wrong with the right? How come when we're, we're in the darkness, we get tired and weary being the light and we don't, we just, we kind of get apathetic or cynical and all these things. Why? He says, Bobby's like, even for me, I get tired and you know what? It, we just know too much. 
Because we know how things play out. We know that we're fighting against a system that's against it, so we get weary. We know that in the end, the human nature, that the Bible says that we're all, that men are depraved, that there's sin in their lives, they, get, and you, they can't see, and so we keep fighting, we get tired, and we get cynical, we know that there's going to be a response that comes against us, and then we make excuses, and we justify, and we find ways, and we reason things out to explain our unjust and sinful actions and say, God, it's okay, here's why. And we just get wearied and tired. He says, it's because we just know so much and we keep filling ourselves with information and we just, it gets overwhelming. Now, he wasn't saying information and knowledge is bad and I'm not saying that. God doesn't say that. But we just know so much that it's almost a hindrance until we subject ourselves and submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit. Lord, teach us to number our days so that we can be wise. I'll just paraphrase that. So how do, we, how do we live our lives with wisdom then? If that's what he's asking, how do we live our lives with wisdom going forward? First, very simply, we ask God. We believe. It's called faith. We ask God. Proverbs 2.6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. James 5, chapter, chapter 1, verse 5. James says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Do you lack wisdom? You should ask God. Ask God. He wants to give it to you. Ask God for wisdom that you might have the knowledge that you have in the Word of God and the world around you, all the facts, all the things, the truths around us, and we should take those and ask God, give me wisdom to rightly apply this, that I might present to you a heart of wisdom and give you glory in all I do. Because that is the second thing we should do. We should know our purpose, which is to glorify God. Ask God for wisdom. And then know your purpose. That will shore up and that will give you and allow you to sharpen and to take the knowledge you have and put your efforts towards those things that are wise. And the wisest thing any human can do is serve God, glorify Him, and make Him known. Some of you are familiar. You know, that philosophical question, that starting point. Why am I here? What is my purpose? Why do I be what I be? You know, whatever. However you want to phrase it. Why am I here? Well, we could talk for hours and days, and they do, in different campuses and venues and platforms and whatever, for eons about this question. I'll just reference you to the Word of God, but also to the Westminster Catechism. Some great, the first question in that catechism was this. What is the chief end of man? What's the purpose? What's the goal? Why am I here? If I could rephrase it. Question, what is the chief end of man? Answer, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Like when? To glorify Him when? Like when you're in forever? No, to glorify Him now. And to start enjoying Him now and forever. It's you are here. God created you to glorify Him, to bring glory to Him and to enjoy Him forever. And part of that is that you share Him with others, by extension. Jesus often said of His ministry that He came to do the will of God. That was His purpose. Of course, that involved living righteously. 
by speaking the truth about the human sin condition and treating people with compassion that was rooted in that truth and eventually dying on the cross as payment for the penalty of sin. That was God's purpose and plan, to preach the kingdom, how to enter it, and then make a way to get in there into God's kingdom. Colossians 1, 15 and 16, and I'll read a couple phrases from that. It says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. And in verse 16, everything, everything was created through Him and for Him. You exist for God's glory. Your purpose, you are here for God's glory, to know Him and to make Him known. You were created by God for God. We used to be saying, You're the reason I sing. The, right? The reason I sing. It's all about God. You're here for God. When we examine all of Scripture... It becomes clear that Christians, those who follow Jesus, have a dual purpose in their life here on this planet, this short life. It is to know Jesus and to make Him known. That's why we're here. So we know our purpose. And that allows us with wisdom to proceed day by day. And finally, we, we also live one day at a time. How do we how do we live our lives with wisdom? Ask God, know your purpose, and then live one day at a time. One day at a time today. Notice that Moses says, teach us to number our days, not the weeks or the years. We can run ahead. And when our mind runs ahead, let me, t- I don't know, I, I'll just share how I work and, and let you into my mind a little bit. When I start running ahead, I get really unsettled. I did, I, I'm just, it's just me. You can think of me whatever you wish. But that's what happens to me. That doesn't mean that I don't plan. It doesn't mean you shouldn't plan. We ought to. There's wisdom in that. The Bible tells us we should prepare and plan, right? In a reasonable and in a, in a wise way. But, but I, when I go way ahead and I focus on that, I, I get really unsettled. I, don't, I try not to do it. because I get, I get freaked out sometimes when I think about certain things. You know? How am I going to pay for my kid's college? Oh, my goodness gracious. I don't know. God knows. I'm going to do my best. Maybe discipline in God's right, but just and it's it's very practical. But things like that, one day at a time. Just because you know what your purpose is and you've asked God for living it out for His glory, doesn't mean that you don't have to choose every day. Most of our choices in life can be summarized, and I come full circle again. Most of our choices in life can be summarized with this question: How am I going to spend my time? Today. Today. Don't focus on the years ahead when you, when you have to spend, if you will, days to get the years. Worry about today. Jesus said something in the context a little different, but about worry, but it, it's connected. He said in chapter 6, verse 34, Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Oh, no way. i got to be a part of it. i got to, whoa, 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 whoa. Who are you trusting? Who are you dependent? Yeah, you got to do your part. You got to be responsible. You got to. Jesus says there will be enough trouble just today. So worry about it. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Listen, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't worry about or shouldn't think. I should say about the future. It's it's all about perspective and your attitude. Do you and I desire to glorify God and bring joy to Him through our obedience? Spend your time with eternity in mind. 
Unimportant, when you do that, unimportant things always take a back seat to the eternal things. Even right now, today. Today. In order to be ready for the future, and we're going to end in a couple minutes, I suggest three simple things are necessary, and it's just a quick list. For us to be wise and to ask, when we ask the Lord to number our days so that we could be wise, first, be dedicated to learn from Christ. Be dedicated to learn and to be learning always from Christ. Secondly, be determined to obey what you learn. Be dedicated, but then be determined to put into practice what you've learned. By the way, that's wisdom. And thirdly, desire to please God over all others. That's consistent with Scripture as well, by the way, in Jesus' teaching. Desire to please God over others. And in this way, we're going to hear one day. One day, if you do these things, we're going to hear our Master, our Savior, Lord Jesus. When we get to heaven, He's going to say something that He said in the parable in Matthew chapter 25 of the servants. Well done, good and faithful servants. I want to hear that. Don't you want to hear that? There'll be nothing sweeter, nothing more fulfilling than to go to your Creator, your Master, your Lord, your Savior, and to hear Him say, well done, good and faithful servants. You lived a life of wisdom. You surrendered to me. You did it. And listen, as we close, in Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul writes, when we think about all these things, he says, therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, Making the most of your time. Making the most of your time. Making, are you awake yet? Making the most of your time. Because the days are evil. So then, he makes a contrast. Don't walk as unwise men, but as wise. And in verse 17, so then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. I know a lot of us, we define it and describe it this way. We believe in divine appointments, if I'm going to call it, because we call it that. I believe they're real. But I believe that they are effective, or that they, there's a, it creates an explosion in human history in this specific moment. There's an explosion when... With God, together, we make the most of those divine appointments. Let me explain what I mean. First of all, divine appointments are not something you create, like to test God. That is not a divine appointment. There are plenty of people who have proclaimed, and they've, they've made these pro- they're self-fulfilling prophecies. You know, you know what I'm talking about. You don't do that. God does it. God orchestrates this. But as you're moving along every day, living in the moment, connected to God, asking God to to make the most, and you're connected to Jesus, and you're walking in submission to Him, and you're determined to please Him above all others, in those specific moments, those divine appointments, all of a sudden something happens. You didn't plan it. God knew it along, but you were there. You were willing, and you made the most of that opportunity. As I close for the third time. <laughs> I shared this first service, and I unashamedly say this. I was asked to do a funeral service this past Tuesday. 
I didn't want to do it. I'm just, I'm sorry to say that, but I'm just being honest. Forgive me. Kind of like some of you don't want to be here today. (laughs) I didn't want to do it. I got to be honest. I knew a little bit of what I was getting into. And can I just be honest? I, as I was sharing the message, it was just a 20-minute time I had at the gravesite. I felt like I was talking to a rock wall. I really did. But when we, when we walk in God's plan, and every day we say, God, what can I do for you? And I'm just here and I'm available. God reminds you that he sets up the divine appointments even when you don't feel like it. By the way, throw your feelings out. Our whole world's about that right now. There's no objectivity and everything's about feeling. Just look at our world. Look at our country. Look what's happening to our culture. Your feelings are real, but my goodness, give them to Jesus and move on. I'm sorry to sound insensitive. I'm not. They're real. I get it. I respect that. But move on. I didn't feel like doing this funeral. I didn't, but I went. And I'm all done. And I'm going to tell you something. At the very end, as I was going back to my car, I already finished talking to you, Cindy. And I'm walking back to my car. And this gentleman runs up to me. And he grabs me. And he says, I'm so glad, preacher. I'm so glad you're here. I'm I'm glad you said what you said, but I got a question for you. I said, what's that? Anything. I don't care. Go ahead and ask me. I can't promise you. I have all the answers, but ask me. He said, can I be forgiven? And I said, what do you mean, can you be forgiven? Of course, God will forgive you for anything. He says, no, no, you don't understand. I'm in the military. I'm a vet. I did a lot of really, really, really bad things. He's crying. What do you do in that moment when you know that everything you felt you didn't want to do, this is God? It was a divine appointment. And to be able to go through the gospel and to tell him that because of what Jesus did and who God is by nature, that he can be forgiven of every and all sins. And I, 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 you can't stop me because you know how I keep going. And I, I, I kept talking, and he says, and he's listening to me, and he goes, stop. He goes, stop. He goes, you already answered my question. He goes, and, I, and I'm hearing what you're saying because I was going through some more, like, uh, giving him the gospel, right? He goes, I don't want to hear it. I'm done. He says, you already answered my question. He said, it's too much for me. I don't go to church and all. He says, but thank you. See, that's what it's all about, brothers and sisters. And I don't mean to, that's my world. Your world's different. I get to do what I did. But you get to do what you do next to somebody in a desk next to you in the workplace. Or out in the field working with somebody outside on a job site or whatever it is. But you have those opportunities when it feels like nothing's happening. And it's just always redundant and mundane. And you just do it and and you don't feel like it. But you do it, you stay dedicated and committed, and all of a sudden, bang! It's a divine appointment, and it's the right time. And everything converges. Me there, that man there, the gospel was preached, the Holy Spirit's there. We're at the cemetery at Cedar Cemetery in Jamestown, and right there in that specific moment of time, something happened in the spiritual. God was moving. Have you skipped... Have you missed? Have you dismissed? 
or just intentionally ignored a divine appointment. Can you recall the joy of having made the most, choosing to be a part of God's plan at a divine appointment? You've experienced some of those. It's amazing. Today, ask God like Moses did. Teach me to number my days that I might gain a heart of wisdom. Can we do that? I want to do that. God wants me to do that. God wants you to do that. Let that be our prayer and our request. Amen? Lord, thank you for the time you've given us. You know all things perfectly well, and you do perfectly well all things. Lord, I pray that as you orchestrate our days and as we walk in submission to you, following you, you will lead us and guide us to those exact places where you will be glorified And we will share you with others and we'll bring honor and praise to you. Father, I pray that even today we would be alert and aware of how we can glorify you and bring others to you. Lord, to you be the glory, the honor. Teach us to number our days so that we can present to you a heart of wisdom. To you be all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.